your home church because my brain's going, oh, wait a second, why didn't that go just right? Why didn't that just, who cares? Who cares? We can just be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're doing today. Father, bring the Holy Spirit here in a mighty way. Bring him here in a way that my words don't matter, only yours do. Bring him here in a way where we can see one another, we can see your will for our lives, we can encourage one another, we can be challenged and sharpened by your word. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you. We dedicate our families to you. We dedicate all that we are and all that will become to you. Mold us, shape us. And Lord, in those moments where that molding and shaping doesn't feel good, we'll follow. In those moments where we're just so excited we can't contain it, we'll sing songs and we'll dance. But more than anything, we'll follow. Senior sons, let me pray. Amen. So, yes, Jim is right. I have a ton of Bibles, all right? But here's why. I want to introduce you to four different Bibles in my life. That sounds really weird, but I want to show you uh, four different things. I want to start with, this is one of my favorites. So when I was in seventh grade, um, I had a teacher that called home and said, I'm really concerned about Chris because uh, he's really messed up. Does he have any Jesus in the home? Which you're totally not allowed to do, but he did it anyway. And my mom said, not really, and she bought a Bible. Now, this, this is that Bible. I'm a fancy gentleman. It's got my name on it, right? And it looks like I've never opened it. I understand that, but I'll tell you what, here's the cool thing. If you actually open it up, like it's full of markings and notes and it's all like busted and bent. My wife was so kind that a couple years ago she got it rebound because it was literally held together with duct tape, right? It literally held together with duct tape. But here's the thing. This was my first Bible. I actually read it from Genesis to Revelation as an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who says, I don't know if God's real, right? An atheist says, I... I'm saying God is not real. And agnostic says, I don't know. We don't know. And so as someone who did not believe in God, I read the Bible from cover to cover. And that was really interesting because all my friends who were Christians hadn't. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? They hadn't read the Bible. So they would tell me what the Bible says. And I'd be like, nah. <laughs> and, and, and they'd say, yes, it does. And I'd say, show me. And they'd be like, well, I don't know how to do that. So this Bible had kind of a special place, but it started as a tool for me to convince others how they were wrong in their faith. But God redeemed it. So now when I read the Christmas story every year to my family, this is the Bible we read out of. And it looks, it looks really nice. That's kind of my family Bible. Now, I'm going to be really honest. I don't open this Bible every day. In fact, I probably go weeks or sometimes months, and this Bible right here, I don't open. I'm not saying I don't open the Bible. I'm just saying this Bible right here, probably only four or five times a year. And it's those moments where my family gathers together and we have something special we're gonna read together, we're gonna talk about. It's these really special family moments. This Bible is for my family. But then at one point, I had this moment where I had to buy a new Bible. So in, in my tradition, you know, we talked about Jim getting ordained. When we do that, we have to go answer a 200-question oral exam. Right, so yeah, if you're not in love with Jesus, you're just gonna quit, right? I mean, if not for Jesus, no one's doing that, right? But here's the deal. I can't use this Bible because it had markings. I had to get a brand new one. So I went and I got a brand new one from Walmart. And it looks kind of cool. And so I realized, hey, you know what? This is the one I'm going to preach from for a long time. And this is the one when I do a funeral or often a wedding, this is the one I'll use. It has kind of small print, 
And so it's not working as well as it used to, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago. My eyes quite aren't what they used to be. But I'll be really honest, this looks kind of faded and worn, but the reason for that is because it's always, 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 always in my car. That way, wherever I'm going to do ministry, I have my professional Bible. Now, this gets cracked open even more than this one, and it's got a lot of really cool memories for me, but there's, there's no markings. This is for me to do work with. Now, am I saying that that's like bad? We, we think of work is so bad. No, 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 work, vocation, it's, it's fulfilling, it's meaningful. And so when I get to be with a family that's in the hospital, this is the Bible that's always with me. And I love it. I love reading from that Bible. There's no marks, there's nothing like that. But, but here's, here's the kind of Bible that you probably think of when you think of a really good Bible. Look at all the stuff it has in here. That means the people who had this Bible are super holy, right? Look, it's just, it's got more extra stuff than it's got pages of the Bible. It's so neat. And look, it's, it smells of old book, right? This is the way a Bible is supposed to look. And it's, it doesn't have my name on it. In fact, this was from a house that my buddy John bought and renovated. And when he bought the house, he bought it from this couple's children. And he called and said, hey, I'm getting ready to start. Do you want to come go through all the things? And they said, no. And my buddy John said, well, wait a second. What about the family photos? What about all those things? And the kids said, no, we, we don't care. Just throw it away. And John said, right, but there's all kinds of things from the family. There's heirlooms and all that. Do you want to come go through those? And the kids said, no, just throw them in the, in the dumpster. We don't care. Now, John called me and a few of his other buddies, and he said, hey, I'm going to throw all this stuff away, so if you want to go through, let me know if you want anything. And I saw this Bible, and I saw the sheer number of obituaries in it, and I thought, that's incredible. They outlived so many of their friends. But this Bible, it, it brings a deep sadness to me because this Bible collected obituaries, but it didn't seem to make a difference in the family that owned it. Now, some of you are going to disagree that, that there's actually, uh, Jim was technically wrong, which is the best kind of wrong, okay? There's actually four Bibles, and, and here's the other one, right? And most of you, like, this isn't a Bible to you. I get it. And by the way, like, the, the evil that can come in through this device is just horrific and, and, and awful. But on this, I'll be really honest, I have, I have the, the, the Bible app, right? And I'm going to be really honest. Every morning when I read the Bible, I could read from this one. I could go out to my car and get the professional one. And I could read from this one that doesn't seem to have made a difference in anyone's life yet. But I always go for the one that's with me. I always go for the one that has all my notes. I go for the one that when I click a button, I can share a prayer request with somebody that I trust. Now, I want to be really forthright. If we just stopped and all we preached about was the Bible, we missed the mark because we're going to talk about Jesus. But sometimes it helps to put our eyes to something that helps us to understand, oh, wait a second, there's a lesson in this. There's a story in this, right? And here's the thing that gets me so frustrated, gets me so heartbroken. All of these, without transformation, are paperweights. Now, if I've upset you, I understand. Here's the cool thing about preaching in a church that's not yours. If I make you angry, 
Damien's got to deal with it. It doesn't matter to me, man. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be over in the other church next week. And if you're mad at me, Damien's got to deal with it. So I love, love, love poking just a little bit. And if I've made you a little bit angry, if I've said that, it will, well, wait a second. It's, it's the word of God. It's impossible for it to not. But listen, information without transformation, what is that? That, that builds us up in arrogance. It doesn't transform us. Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross so that we would know about him. What does it say, right? In the book of James that even the demons know and they tremble at the mention of his name. He came to heal the sick. He, in fact, he looked at the sickest among us and he said, you're the ones I'm here for. He came that we would have life and have it to its fullest. So I want to read a scripture to you and I want to walk through this together just a little bit and and Damien told me to make sure I don't preach more than four hours, so um, I hope you're not hungry. We're reading from John 17, starting in verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, I want to, I get kind of frustrated when I hear a really, really churchy word, okay? And sanctified is one of those. It's an important word. It means so much. But while I'm talking, when we say the word sanctified, I'm going to say the word transformed because I think we get that better. All right, sanctified is that what was us is being transformed into who Jesus is calling us to become. It's that, it's messy. It can be really painful. It can be really difficult, but it's important. I love verse 13 here so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have these three Bibles. And here's the thing. I studied this one. I studied every word, and it's a study Bible, so it would tell you all kinds of cool things. It would tell you how to go find additional help, and I really liked that. I studied it. I studied it primarily as an agnostic, someone who didn't believe in God. And I kind of studied this one, but if I'm really honest, I use this to show Jesus to people. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to share scripture with someone who's dying, or I'm going to be present in a difficult moment in someone's life and pray with them and share the scripture. There's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. And this one, I'm not sure it was ever read aloud. I'm not sure it was ever read outside of a Sunday morning it became the file folder for the obituaries. I want to tell you, the word of God, it's not enough to just study. Now, now, should you read it? Yes, should you study it? Yes, goodness gracious, please don't hear me say, oh, well, you shouldn't read the Bible. Of course you should read it. It can transform us. But sometimes we go to it and we say, I have a thought that I want the Bible to agree with. That's not how God called us to seek him. 
Or sometimes we say, I just want to have all the information in my head. But that's not why the scriptures were written. But once in a while, once in a while, we say, wait a second. I want to make the word of God active in my life in every single moment, in every single part of what I do. And I'm going to tell you, that's why I'll, I'll be really honest. You know, that's why it's, it's right here for me. It's right here for me. Not, and by the way, I'm not trying to convince you to go use your cell phone as a Bible. That's not my goal here. My goal is to say, what is the word of God to you? Is it a mantelpiece? Is it a mantelpiece? Is it a collection of your dead friends? Is it just so you can do what you need to do today? Or is it going to become part of you? Because can I tell you where this is? Boom, all the time, right? On Sunday morning, when someone comes up to me, they say, Pastor, Pastor, I need to meet with you. You know what I do? I go, I'm going to be really rude. I'm going to have to put it in here because it's Sunday and I can't think straight. Now, can I tell you what else? When I'm frustrated in that moment of I can't see God clearly, I am hardly ever next to my bookshelf in my study. I am hardly ever sitting in the back seat of my car just chilling. And I am certainly never, ever, ever in a random spot in my office so that I can use this as a sermon illustration. But you know where I always am. I'm always right here. That I can be reminded of God's love for me. So, so here's my question. Here's my, here's my question. Do you take a break from life? to give a moment to Jesus. And I want to challenge that for a minute. I mean, I mean, this team did so amazing. I love, I love what I, and by the way, I was just a little bit overwhelmed. So, you know, please don't get mad at me that I, I kind of had my eyes closed for a minute because I was just overwhelmed. I just wanted to sit and soak in the Holy Spirit. But I can, can I tell you something? That when it comes to this moment here, if that's it, guys, if that's it, it doesn't matter how important, how big, how meaningful that moment was. If that's it throughout the week, we are going to fall and stumble and break and be broken. And we're not going to have that, that, that Ephesians armor so that when we're hit by the attacks of the enemy, we can stand. This was amazing. The sermon is mediocre, but it's not enough. It's not enough. So, yeah, reading the scriptures, absolutely. Praying, yes, absolutely. But do we take a break from life to go do the things of God? Or do we invite God into every part of our life at all times? You want to know the most sincere prayers I've ever prayed are in the car. I don't close my eyes. Because I just am finally alone with God. And, you know, sometimes I get distracted because I'm watching traffic and he's okay with that. Here, here's my challenge. If you think you're going to have the full measure of joy and you think that that's going to be accomplished in a couple hours a week, that's not full measure. It's good. Like, let's not take away that if this is all we see of the Holy Spirit, it's still good. But why not have more? Why not lean into it every moment of every day? Why not say, you know what? It's not enough to have someone else just leave me there. I want to go there today right now. I want to go there when I'm about to, to chew my spouse's head off and I can't handle it. I want to go there when the kids are, 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 are being, you know, these misbehaving little miscreants. And I, I just, I need Jesus because I want to love them well. What about in every moment as we walk through conflict at work or at school? Why not Jesus in every one of those moments? When we sang that today, 
But that was sung. You know, here's the amazing thing. You're not going to remember three quarters of what I say. But you'll be singing these lyrics throughout the week. So when you sing, I'm not here for blessing. I am here. How's that go? Help me out, Jim. To give you everything. Is that it? Close enough? Yeah. And all of a sudden, we approach God and we say, you are so amazing. You're so tremendous. You've done so many great things for me. But even if you didn't, I still worship. I still give you everything. You want to see that full measure of joy. Give everything to Christ with a reckless abandon. Well, what if it doesn't work out? (laughs) Bet. Let's see how it goes. What if it's not perfect? Well, we're on the other side of heaven. It won't be. But if you want a full measure of joy that surpasses understanding, it's only if we invite God into every moment, not just when we're in our study, not just when we're going to to church or to work with it, and certainly not when we're just collecting memories of what God did for others. Verses 14 through 16, I love this because, you know, again, I look at what what are we seeking, right? I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. This is Jesus, right? saying the world's hating his disciples because they're not of this world. But listen to this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. This is so important. We think that God's protection means we'll never get hit. Read Ephesians. Read the spiritual armor. What Paul says is, that we don this armor so that when we are hit, we will stand. How many of us, if we're honest, we wish that Jesus' prayer for his disciples, us, was just take them out of the world. Just rocket ship them to heaven. Because here we have addiction and we have death and we have heartache and we have, we have people who break our hearts and we have so much sin. And if we're honest, sometimes we just wish that Jesus prayed, go ahead and remove them. But here's the thing. When we make Jesus part of everything, then we now get to walk into a broken world and make a difference. I love seeing those bottles of water. I love seeing that. I love seeing that. Listen, I hope this doesn't sound mean. I think I like seeing that just as much as I like seeing the worship today. And and I'll tell you why, because that is worship. That is following where God's called us to go. But here's the thing. Isn't it easy to act like no one else is around? And we are just in this moment with God completely by ourselves. But yet God has called us into community right here. Yeah, New Life. Yeah, Shawnee Alliance. And between our churches and every church that preaches the gospel. So there's more. There's more to this than just having the words. There's more to this than just attending a moment. It's being transformed. And can I tell you something? When I think, when I think about John writing to the churches in the book of Revelation, and I think about that idea, don't lose that first love. When I think about that idea, you know, because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of the mouth. And then I see sacks of water. I get excited for what God's doing here. I get excited because this is who we're called to be. Folks who, yes, have an amazing vertical relationship with Jesus. Yes, have a tremendous horizontal relationship with one another in this room. But if that's true, then we're transformed. And it means 
something different. Having Jesus be part of everything we are and everything that we do. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Satan rarely just flat out tells you a bald-faced lie. Because if Satan came to you and said, God isn't real, then you would go, oh, I hear that. I know who that is. I'm not gonna listen to that. But if Satan says, God doesn't love you enough to, oh man, sometimes, sometimes that'll mess with us. If we heard, you know what? Don't worry about your brothers and sisters in Christ. We'd go, wait a second, that that doesn't sound like Jesus. But if we heard, you know what? You've had a really rough day. Let's just make this about you. Satan is the deceiver. He's the deceiver. He's the one who takes truth and twists it until it's no longer from God. That's all he does. Day in, day out, every day. He just twists God's truth to take us in a different path than God. How do we fight that? How do we fight that? Because some of us, we want to focus on Satan. That is not a good idea for spiritual growth, folks. Like, that's a terrible idea. We want to say, oh, you know what? Let me constantly think about Satan and his plans and what he's trying to do. You you know something? Don't let Satan live rent-free in your head. That's just the dumbest thing that we can do. That is not going to lead to a transformed life. You know who we think about instead? We think about the person of Jesus Christ. We think about the will of of God the Father. We seek the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know a lie, know the truth. So when you're looking at these moments in life where you're not sure, and by the way, you know one of the most common questions that a pastor gets when it comes to living holy lives is something along the lines of, how close can I get to sin without quite sinning? Now, you would never ask that. You're all really holy people, but you might ask, well, can I listen to this kind of music and still get to heaven. Or you might say, can I listen to this kind of music and still, you know, love Jesus? You know, listen, you and I, we can sit down for the next two millennia and we can argue every little jot and tittle. We can do that. If that sounds fun to you, you need help. But, but it's not fun to me. I don't, I don't want to do that. Let me suggest something different. Let's ask a different question. What action can I take that draws me closest to Jesus? So you know something? If that means that that changes my job, what a great testimony. What a great testimony that for for me to be in the center of God's will, I need to take a pay cut. I love that. I love that. For me to be open to receive a blessing, I need to take a pay cut. You know, so often people will tell us what God wants for them, and isn't it weird how it always makes their life 10 times better and it doesn't help anyone else? But sometimes what God's calling us to is sacrifice. Sometimes what he's calling us to is to choose him even when it's unclear and uncertain. We don't defeat the lies of the enemy by focusing on the enemy. We defeat the lies of the enemy by focusing on Jesus Christ, his truth. And let me tell you, your prayer life, that's so important. Just simply being present with the Holy Spirit, it's so important. And you know what else is? Reading God's revelation for every member of the human race. It's so important. But if we read it and then it goes in one ear and out the other, it's nothingness. But if we approach this with a sensitivity in the Holy Spirit where we allow it to cut deep 
Do we know the difference between guilt and conviction? Do we know that difference? Guilt is Satan saying, you're not good enough. Conviction is saying, I have something better for you, my child, and that's from God. Do you hear the difference? You've got a child, and you say, you're trash, and you're a mess, and you're worth nothing. What do they learn about themselves? They learn that they are trash, and they're worthless. But if you look at that child and you say, I see what you're doing here, child, but there's something better for you. There's something greater. This isn't what God has for you. And I will walk to the edge of the known universe and back with you. So long as we pursue God together, then what have they learned? They have learned that they are loved by God, that they're loved by their parent. Who are we going to be? Are we going to be a people who focus on the guilt and, and all the checklists Or will we let the living, breathing word of God change us for every moment of every day? Look, if if you feel like I'm yelling at you, I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intent. If you feel like I'm I'm poking, that, that wasn't my intent. But the coolest thing is, the coolest thing is, each and every one of us, we have some sort of relationship with God. Now, maybe you have never given Jesus a chance in your life and you're saying, what are you talking about? I don't have a relationship with God. A bad relationship is still a relationship, right? Frenemies and enemies are still relationships. So if we've turned our back, if we've said not at this time, or if we've said, you know what? I'd rather just do my own thing. Here's an invitation. You're believing a lie about you and who God wants you to become. Let's cast that aside. Let's cast that aside that we would have the full measure of God's joy in our lives. If what you've said is, I love being in this place where such an amazing Holy Spirit experience has been created, that's awesome. I celebrate it with you. But please take that as you go. If the Holy Spirit stays in these doors as you walk out to your cars, what have we just done? We've lost it. We've wasted it. The Holy Spirit is to dwell in you. And when he descends in this place and he fills you and he gives you words to pray and he gives you these moments to dance, it's meant to be taken out of here too, into every place that God calls us. I'm not mad, but I am convinced. I am convinced that if our idea of faith is let me put it on the shelf for when it's gonna be that time I wanna use it, If our idea of faith, and this can be so dangerous for a pastor, is when I do work for Jesus. If our idea of faith is a cultural tradition that we value as we collect the obituaries of our dead friends, it's not faith. It might be a philosophy, it might be a cultural tradition, but it's not faith. Faith rips our heart apart and rebuilds it in the image of Christ. It takes all that we were, and when we get dunked in the waters of baptism, it's as if Pastor Damien holds us down to the bubbles quit coming out, and the old self is dead, and the new self that is in Christ comes out of that. If that is foreign to you today, lean in. It's the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful joy you can ever experience. You think that this moment, 
as we're brought to tears and the Holy Spirit is tremendous. Just wait until you're in your car going around the Shawnee roundabout, praying that the Lord wouldn't take you right yet. And all of a sudden, he just is filling your heart in a tremendous way. And all of a sudden, you understand how you're supposed to start that conversation with your brother or sister who doesn't love Jesus or how you're supposed to make amends with your mom or dad because they're just insufferable or how you're supposed to live out faith at work. Let's not lessen this, but let's take this with us as we go. We'll be transformed. Our families will be transformed and our community will never be the same again because you can't take Jesus in you and plant Jesus all throughout our community and there isn't an amazing change that honors God. I'm gonna pray. Jim, is there more stuff or am I the... You'll come up when I'm done? Are you going to make insult comedy? All right. <laughs> By the way, I have, I have loved watching this church over the past seven-ish years. Thank you for taking faith seriously. I know there have been moments where it was tough. I get it. Every church has had moments where it's tough. I get it. Thank you for leaning into your faith because Lima needs amazing transformative churches and new life must continue to be one of them. Father God, thank you for blessing Shawnee Alliance so much today with Damien, and thank you for the patience you've given your children a new life for me. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for the nods of affirmation that we are discontent that faith would be held up only in the sanctuary, that we're heartbroken if our faith doesn't transform our families and the world around us. Lord, we choose to follow you. We choose to walk where you'd have us go. We choose to put aside everything else to follow you. So, Lord, we will not put faith on the shelf for when it's that cultural time of year where we read about it. We will not simply make our faith about what we do on a Sunday morning or in a moment of trial. And we most certainly won't make our faith about collecting memories of what you've done in other people's lives. We will be transformed. We will carry faith with us in every step we take. We will walk into a broken world and we will not stop walking until we see you move. Lord, give us more opportunities. Give us more opportunities to send water bottles. Give us more opportunities to bless our neighbors. Give us more opportunities to walk through a frustrating moment so that a family can feel loved. We are counting on you. All we can do is say yes. It's up to you to make these bridges happen. Senior your sons, let me pray. Amen.